Welcome to the Room of Lives. I'm your host, Neil. In this final part of my conversation with geologist Alicia, we are talking about gender roles. We begin with discussing how Alicia has a bit of a boyish energy in her body language and speech. Then we talk about feminism, patriarchy, gender roles, and self-empowerment in her romantic relationships, work, and life. I feel like you have a bit of a boyish energy within you. Would you agree? Has yeah. anyone ever said that? No one's ever said it. Not that way, at least, but I would consider myself not a girly girl. Yeah. But not really a tomboy, like, feminine, but I don't think that I'm, like, I'm not natural in, like, the typical... I'm not like the typical view of a girl. Yeah, yeah. Dresses. Yeah. And I feel like I vibe best with and like connect most with people who are neither very masculine nor very feminine. So I don't think it's like an accident. Or it like contributes at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've just seen that as a pattern, you know? Yeah. When I feel like that's interesting because then... I guess to ask you, what are the aspects of it that are boyish or what are you, what do you typically view as boyish? Okay. So I was just like sitting here watching you and, um, I started feeling like, oh, Ali is kind of boyish and not the first time that I've felt that. Although I don't remember this being, uh, my memory of you when you were in Austin. So either I don't remember that aspect of your memory or mm-hmm. I hadn't learned to become aware of that quality so consciously mm-hmm. and maybe you know more lately i've thought about it a little bit more explicitly is like oh the gender expression of a person mm-hmm. before that maybe i didn't even used to think about that but could have been subconscious so what are the things it's kind of hard for me to articulate but i think partly like a little bit of your like body language mm-hmm. as you sit and the kind of postures a little bit of it is, I think, the way that you speak. Um, yeah, I think there is some, like, some gender roles that creep into how women speak in front of men, women mm-hmm. speak in front of women, etc. And the way that you speak and your body language, I think these two are connected, actually. Mm-hmm. Just your, like, self-expression seems to me to remind you of how, like, a dude would um yeah and i think it's actually not necessarily something it's like not really about a boy or a girl it just mm-hmm. feels more free and mm-hmm. i think men are conditioned to just like allow themselves to be more free with their body language with their speech or something like that so it could partly be that yeah that's interesting and i mean thinking about it i do spend and i have spent over a lot of years like either interacting It's like I have, I've kept deeper female relationships like my mom or something, but not 
in such a wide or like a day-to-day type interaction. So I'd say a lot of my day-to-day interactions have been with men for like, I'd say the majority of them for like the past, since I got to mines, like. Yeah. I see. And you also, oh, yeah, we were going to talk about this. Yeah, so I'm like, it's kind of like. You live in a world that's dominated by men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good segue to that. Wait, wait, wait. I don't want to start talking about that yet. Okay. Oh, yeah. The boyish yeah. energy. By the way, you don't mind that that's getting on the recording? No. Okay, cool. So no, I, I think wanna... that's interesting because I haven't, like, I haven't had anybody say that actually before. I'm surprised that nobody has said that to you before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think because in appearance, you're quite feminine. Mm-hmm. So it only comes out more in, like, your gestures and the way that you speak and your body language. So I guess you would have to be a little bit more uh, observant mm-hmm. than to just see it like, you know, you could have a girl who like looks very boyish. There mm-hmm. are plenty of girls who like look. So you don't even have to go and start talking to them or see their body language. Like, oh yeah, she's got pretty short hair. She wears like a guy's clothes and she's got this whole demeanor. That's like the aesthetic presentation is mm-hmm. more like a boy. But that's not really the case with you. Yeah. Well, I feel like sometimes if there's, like, a different perception that people might get of me from just, like, yeah, not interacting with me versus how I look. I think everybody probably thinks of that as, like, how do I present myself versus who am I actually? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, like, what types of people do I dress like or what types of people do I look like or, like, how do I typically, you know... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say like sometimes I do wonder quite a lot or like I recognize that I do wonder a lot about it, like what other people perceive and like, you know, whether it's how I look or sometimes I think about how I act, but. Do you think like, why do you think about that? Do you feel like, are you worried at all about the ways that you might not come across well to other people or would you want to? change how you come across or doesn't matter too much to you what other people how other people perceive you I think it like the end of the day like my ultimate goal is to feel confident but I feel like parts of that I attach to how I look or like how people perceive me and so I feel like you know that how you interact socially with people or, like, what they think of you to some extent. I mean, it's just shaped so much of your life that, like, if it is some component of something that you want, like, mm-hmm. to feel confident or, like, mm-hmm. you know, some aspect of it is intertwined with the people that you have to interact with day to day. So yeah. I feel like, too, like, what I've really been trying to do is just be able to, like, feel comfortable with who I am so that I don't really think as much about what other people think of me. Yeah. But that I still, like, enjoy, like, interacting with them or, like, but that I care more about what I think about myself than what other people think of me. I really appreciate your honest and clear answers. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I have been trying to be more clear since... We were kind of talking about that earlier. I've been thinking at least during this conversation of like, okay, not beating around the bush or like oh, be- yeah. being concise and like getting 
the thought that I had across. So I'm glad it's coming across clear. Yeah, nice. Do you mind if like some of these things that have to do with your previous relationship get on this recording? I don't mind. Okay, so could we like back up a little bit and can you describe what exactly where was this particular like point of conflict with this guy when it came to him talking about like the women's issues? How I felt is that he he viewed parts of the movement or like this movement of of women who are trying to kind of have people understand just that their experience is different from a man's like in in the workplace and that mm. there are these things it was kind of like what I felt his perspective I was like no we've already like sorted this out like those things aren't really an issue anymore like those things have been addressed like those things just kind of minimizing the experiences that women might have without being a woman himself mm. and so I think I felt like so I started reading this book called lean in mm -hmm. and it was one that you know when I shared with him that I was reading it like he kind of like an eye roll response. I don't know exactly how the interaction went, but mm -hmm. it was like kind of a like scoff of like, oh, there's nothing valuable in that book or that book's just, you know, it's not, mm -hmm. you know, he, w he wouldn't take an open perspective to read it. Mm -hmm. But I related very closely, like with a lot of things in that book, like experiences that I've had as a female, like navigating, you know, school and like, work environments and things like that. I found it very relatable and I gained a lot from reading that book. And I felt like his minimization of things that he hadn't experienced or even tried to learn about. Mm. Yeah. Go ahead and minimize the book once you've read it. I see. Yeah. So this book, like, to, to, you know, was kind of uh, advocating for the idea that some of these systemic issues that women face are also internal to them because of the ways that they have been conditioned and they have they share some of the responsibility in educating themselves out of that position is is that, is that yeah that so it? how i would describe it and it's kind of related to like the oil and gas um discussion in the sense that there's a system that mm -hmm. imparts you know these this kind of systemic like gender biases and things like that on us and that that's, you know, there could be, the black and white view would be the system needs to change. Yeah. But what this book allowed you the opportunity to do was recognize the power that you have, that you're not powerless in your situation right now. If mm -hmm. it, it helps you recognize yeah. actions or the way that you might be thinking mm -hmm. and just kind of helps you see a path forward to correct those and change your mind or like change the way you approach situations. Yeah. And so it's, it's not minimizing the fact that these systemic things exist, but it's so much, there's so much more power in seeing the things that you can do personally. Yeah. 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 And so like one of the examples that I really liked from the book was these women who would come, it's Cheryl Sandberg is the author, but these women who would come to her and seeking mentorship and they'd ask her about like mm -hmm. career moves. And so they're thinking of turning down a job because they want a family and you know, Cheryl ask them, wait, are you even married? No. Are you even seeing anyone? No. So mm -hmm. some of these women would be turning down things 
with the anticipation that five, ten years from now, mm -hmm. they're going to have a family and not want to be that far mm -hmm. ahead in their career. So they're already, like, selling themselves short or not taking those steps to, like, move up in management, take a stretch role or take, mm -hmm. you know, advance their career because of the five-year plan that they have. So mm -hmm. it's like, wait, that plan isn't in motion today. Mm -hmm. What's going to stop you right now? Like, you don't have kids right now. Why wouldn't you take this job? Mm. So that's a mindset that people have that they can recognize in themselves, like women can recognize in themselves and say, oh yeah, there is no reason right now that, you mm -hmm. know, maybe down the line, I'll turn down the next job if I have a kid, but mm -hmm. there's no reason to start like already starting to take steps back in your career when the situation doesn't require you to. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, do you come kind of from that perspective of trying to take as much personal responsibility as possible? Um, I don't know if I've like thought about what perspective I necessarily take on it. I think mm. that book helped me see that there is, there are those types of things that you can do and kind of in my day to day work environment, I do try and I do kind of take that perspective because it is yeah. the biggest, it's going to have the biggest impact on my career. Yeah. There are still those things like I'm almost kind of like see myself as one piece of the puzzle and like Yeah. But that <laughs> my in me changing those things and how I move through the workplace in my career that it is part of making that progress and it has to start, yeah. you know, part of it is with me and that's the most power that I can have on the yeah. situation. Cuz I've seen that when I have asked you about oh it must be hard being a woman, especially in like kind of a technical engineering or science world dominated by men, I've seen that your response is not, does not have so much of an energy of blame or pointing the finger, hmm. which is like very refreshing for me to hear. Yeah. And I'd say I haven't been, I've been in only a handful of situations that were blatantly like, I felt very at the expense of somebody like mm. treating, treating me in, in one of those, like just for instance, like during my master's, like the director of our research group, it, you could kind of tell some of these like components of gender bias. One was he introduced our, like uh, our research group administrator, who was a woman. He introduced her to the group and called her the team mom. So he calls this lady who has, you know, a very respectable position and does a hell of a job at it and referred to her as the team mom, as if a, that that type of role is like a mom role or a, mm -hmm. an inherently like females job. Mm -hmm. And so we started, um, I was part of like a five student research project and the same guy, he made me the kind of like, he called me the team lead. Mm -hmm. And I could very much tell that his interpretation of that was, I schedule meetings, I take notes, mm -hmm. I do these things. And there were some instances where it was very clear that that's how he saw me. And that's not what I chose to do. Mm -hmm. I turned the role into something that, you know, I took charge of it and I did lead in a very successful way and got a lot of positive feedback to that end that like, I did a very good job with that role. But that's not... And that's kind of one example of how I turned something where it was like, 
the reason I got that opportunity was because I was a woman and that was expected to be a secretarial type role. Mm. But I turned it into something that was completely different. Yeah. I it, took, was, it was called team lead as a way to like couch whatever. Right. Oh, yeah, I'm going to give you like... But then I took that to mean team yeah. lead. I'm going to yeah. lead this team. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and part of it was that he didn't clearly define what that role was going to be. He didn't mm. say like, these are the three things that I need you to do. I knew that I had to schedule mm. the meetings. I knew I had to, I was to some extent tasked with the organization, but it was mm. really a leadership role. And mm-hmm. I gained a lot of skills about it, earned respect from the students I worked with, from the faculty, and even got compliments from him at the end of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that's that's one way that you can kind of take those situations. It's like, yeah, and it's funny because a guy wouldn't have gotten that opportunity because he didn't define it as a guy's role. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it's probably... If that was the job description that you're going to really lead this team, he probably would have given it to a guy. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen if, like, men have been threatened by you in the way that you, like, lead or do your job or whatever, you know, break out of expected gender roles? Have you ever seen people who, like, are kind of, like, threatened by that? I don't know that I've ever like directly observed it. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I think maybe, you know, maybe I'm not perceptive to that reaction or like don't interpret it as such. Mm-hmm. But I try and honestly, like when I, when I go through the day, it's like, I've gotten more so where I think about like, the female aspects of it, but I think about it more Mm -hmm. so in the terms of, okay, how are these people, what would the reaction of the people be to, for instance, how I frame an email? Mm -hmm. One thing that I've started being very conscious of is how I write emails where it's like exclamation points, making sure like, you know, reducing those because I feel like females are sometimes like, ah, I'm being nice. Like I'm excitable. Like, Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, and so I'm like, you know what? No, like I'm going to try and reduce that. And I had one of my former residents, she like sent me, I was, I kind of act as a mentor to her. She's also in geophysics. Um, but she like sent me this email draft that she was going to reply to a company. I noticed that and in the draft was like exclamation points and like asking for something but in somewhat of a roundabout less direct way and so Mm -hmm. when I wrote kind of my draft back of like okay here's some modifications like that's what it was and like one thing that I've tried to do is communicate to men more so how men would communicate to men or how in a business scenario so I think some people or some women have an issue with that where it's like giving up an aspect of femininity but when you're like, okay, well, I need to play to like mm-hmm. the men's or fit into the men's context in order to be successful. I don't see that as what I'm doing. I'm trying to identify the parts mm. of femininity that I've been conditioned to do. Yeah. Whether or not they're effective. And it's like, it well, it's keeping me from getting to my goal. And like, yeah. I'm not the bubbly exclamation pointy yeah, type yeah, of yeah. person. Dude. But I find myself doing it's, that. It's so coincidental 
that you bring up exactly this thing because that's what I was going to say as my next question is I was like you know I was going to say it in a way that has a lot of potential to like really annoy you which is uh my first pass would have been I think maybe you're having this experience a little bit because you're kind of boyish and then I remember back to the conversation that we had last night is that I think it's unfair to take those qualities of kind of being assertive, being entrepreneurial, speaking your mind, being free with your body language, gesture, words, action, and just plant a flag on that and say, that's, that's masculine, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we could give it some other name, but now you're completely claiming it. You're like, yeah, you know, I mean, that's just the way. And that does not have to be something like, oh, men do this and I'm trying to emulate men which is also the way that i feel in your presence you know in our relationship is i feel like the thing that sets me more at ease when i'm around you and you know you were talking about like how quickly we clicked and we kind of got past the initial fluff is i just feel more at ease around you because i feel like you're kind of being yourself um which you know you're like expressing yourself as you authentically are which I think in our society, men have more of a conditioned license to do that mm-hmm. than women. But as long as we define that or keep defining it and limiting it as a man thing, um, then we're going to be like holding back the potential of what both men and women are, 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 are capable of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, we see it as that because it's a, it is a trait that men typically possess and women typically don't or at a lesser degree. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like when, when a female does something that the majority of that, that action is performed by men, it's going to fall into that category of being like boyish or masculine because it is something that 90% of when that action is actually performed, it's by a man sort of thing. But yeah, like I take it as, cause I wasn't like a, a focus group discussion sort of thing about, it was like talking about, it was either a book or like a post about the 12, 12 traits that make women like less effective or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the question, this is what got me thinking about it. The question came up is like, in trying to modify these traits, like these are traits that women inherently or typically possess and we're trying to go against them. Yeah. Are we like, are we giving up some aspect of our, our femininity? And I think that's, that's like an interesting point that people Mm -hmm. have to evaluate because I think, I think where the balance is, is that you have to look at that trait and that action and evaluate the reasons why and evaluate how true to your values Mm -hmm. is that action that you're taking. Mm -hmm. And if it aligns with your values, then of course don't throw it away. Mm -hmm. But I think what you find is when you start to evaluate yourself in the context of these things that might make women less effective, you start to realize just how many of them don't align Mm -hmm. with the values or the way that you would like to portray yourself. Yeah, Yeah. So it's, Yes, they're in, they're inherently feminine in the way that like many women act this way, but yeah. that's not necessarily yeah. how we want to be acting. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that kind like that thing. Oh, are you giving up your femininity? That word femininity and all its connotations can have the effect of pigeonholing you into oh, these are the expectations 
and I mean, people always internalize the expectations of how they're supposed to be. But what you're bringing out here is that, oh, actually look into what these qualities are. Do I really internally, authentically relate to that, you know, as a woman? Yeah, that's very cool. It's very cool. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I feel like there's a kind of brand of feminism that I have a lot of respect for. And you're, that's what you're talking about. This is the kind of brand of feminism. It's, I feel like it's a little less defensive and a, a little less adversarial. It, it, it seeks less to like blame other people and it seeks more to, you know, just kind of increase one's own awareness, take more responsibility into your own hands. And yeah, I feel like when I encounter feminism like that, the respect I get, that I get from that for that is immediate. You know, no one has to wrestle me into, into, into respecting that point of view. Yeah, whereas some other brands of like feminism that I have encountered are kind of aggressive. And I feel like I have a harder time respecting that. And the, and the harder the time I have respecting that, the more they will try to force it out of me. And the more I, yeah, I, I resist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, I don't, I don't consider myself to like yeah. hold. I, I think part of the reason why I've like adopted this approach to it is that. I really try hard not to frame my beliefs or my actions in the context of others. And this is part of why mm. I like kind of isolate myself from social media, why I isolate myself from just things that, you know, the average female my age or average person my age engages in. It's just like I like to keep more of the focus on like, yeah, what is authentic to me? Mm. And the way that I kind of do that is by lessening those societal yeah. things that kind of show you how you should be or suggest to you how you yeah, should be yeah. and, and make you desire it because of yeah. how they portray it. And so I just try to, I found very early that like social media was not positive yeah. for me. yeah. So that's why. But already this thing that you're doing, that you're kind of trying to come out of the definitions of society and expectations, I feel like those pressures of conforming to the expectations, in my experience, are those pressures are stronger on women to, to, to model themselves after some expectations, to stay within the lines that are defined for them. So this very a thing that you're talking about where you're like, okay, I'm just going to define my values according to myself and not in the context of other people's. I feel like in general, women like are in a place where a lot of them, you know, they don't, they are not, they don't take the opportunity or they don't have the opportunity of doing that as much as men do. Like the idea of the free, free exploring protagonist in our mind is still like a male character. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas the, 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 the image of the woman, even in its best form, is someone who is like duty bound to care and nurture and whatever, kind of like not the main character person. Yeah. You know, so it was so it's so interesting. Um, and like this was one of the big things and that my mom recognized early on with 
too. It's like the mm. more traditional mindset about a woman. And, and he wasn't so er- overt about it, but it was like mm. some conversations that come up of like, yeah, later on, like, you know, that expectation that if somebody's going to sacrifice their career for the sake of the family, yeah. it was already expected to be me. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, see it as no it's gonna it could be me it could be you at any time but my partner my ideal partner would be willing to you know assess our life circumstance at the time that we're ready to make that decision and be as willing as I will be willing to you know to make the best decision for our family but not have that expected you know who's gonna stay home and like whose career you know we were gonna follow his job if he had it his way and I rebelled against that. I was like, no, I'm deciding I am taking one of our biggest problems was he could not accept the decision that I had made to move Mm. to Houston. It was like Mm. the only way things were going to work for us if was if I could have that job, but be remote and live with him. And I'm like, you know, we can't move forward until you come to terms with the fact that I've made this decision and I don't want to work 100% remote. I want to be in the office with my coworkers. And that means I'm going to move down to Houston. And until we can face that fact, like it's going to happen whether we face it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, one of the things there, I had this professor at Mines and female. And so I started going to her. I really liked her and like, more so as a person than an actual professor, but she was, I would go to her to kind of have like discussions and and get advice. And turned out her advice was a little more biased to her own experience. So Mm -hmm. I took it with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. Um, Her advice being, no, don't get a master's, get a PhD. No, don't go to industry, like be an academic. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, you're an academic and you got a Mm -hmm. PhD. So I think there are clear reasons why you think that's better. But anyway, like, He saw her life as sad. She was single, didn't have kids, put a lot of emphasis or derived a lot of value from her career. Mm -hmm. And he saw her life as like sad Mm -hmm. and a failure. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that he would see a man's life in the same exact scope as such. And men can typically have that, but also have a family because when they do have that experience, their wife is taken care. And so it's like, yeah. So, um, there are two things that come to my mind. The first is just a comment is that I know that there are a lot of men out there who, whose ideas are kind of more in line with this traditional gender roles. And if there is a woman who wants to do something that's like really more independent and whatever and flip the role sometime or have more of an equal role, it makes them nervous and feel makes them kind of threatened. And feel less masculine. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like when I hear when I hear like about a woman who wants to have this traditional role and they might want to follow me around wherever I go, I feel pressure. I feel claustrophobic. You know? So compared to that, when I hear like, oh, there's a woman that I'm dating who wants to be independent, just like I want to be independent, and they have passions and goals and ambitions in life, if they don't have those, it makes me very nervous. I feel like I don't want to be in a relationship with a person 
whose life centers around me, that freaks me out, you know? So I think I can only be in a relationship with people, even friendships, where there's something bigger than themselves or the relationship that drives them. So to me, when you were talking about the way that you wanted to be in this relationship, those words sound like relief to me. I was like, oh yeah, this is what I would like to hear. So yeah, I feel like there are men out there definitely for whom something like that would be like, oh yes, a welcome blessing. Yeah, (laughs) be more um, equal. Now, of course, there are logistical difficulties in today's day and age for a couple to be together and for both of them to be kind of ambitious and Mm -hmm. to follow each of their dreams and manage to kind of stick together. And that's where like a, that's where like a trapeze game comes in of how do you balance your compromises and things like that. But yeah. Yeah. I think the, I think the sentiment and spirit first of all matters. Right. And that that it's not just that expectation that if push comes to shove, you're at home with the kids no matter what's going on in your career. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what I'm trying to say is that if men like that try to put forward this notion and they are in the majority, that this is just how things are. This is what a relationship between a man and a woman is like. And you better get with the program. Don't believe it. Do not believe that. That's not true for like that's that's not true for a lot of men. Yeah. In fact, for a lot of men, the opposite is like the better option. So, yeah. So the thing that I'm trying to remind you from on behalf of men is don't <laughs> yeah. let this don't be a representation be the, of, yeah. a, 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 you know, a, 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 reci- a uniform recipe that all of yeah. us want, you know, out of life. Well, and it's like interesting because as I've in, you know, this touches on like other aspects of like how I operate in like a male dominant but dominated field but like Mm. through school I felt like being friends with like my male friends just helped me see so much more clear like I remember having conversations with one of my friends Zach and at the time like hadn't met yet and like Mm -hmm. I told him because I reflected on this my like personally and was like you know what I really do see myself having kids like Mm -hmm. I see that as something that I want and that And I was like, you know what? And I can want that. And if I don't find the right person to like, you know, be my husband, I can still want that. And I can still have that. And I could do it for me. And I could be a kick-ass mom by myself. Like, I kind of had that, like, realization and like felt empowered by that. That's like, I'm not going to compromise to have like that aspect of my lifestyle to fulfill that desire to have kids or like, you know, that I don't need to like sell myself short or sell what I want Mm -hmm. short. And I think some people don't, some people may, and this goes for men and women, but they may not think critically enough about what they want or like why they want it to really like allow themselves the ability to have their cake and eat it too. Like, Mm -hmm. like it's the sacrifice of like, okay, well, I want my life to look this way. And so if that's like my most important goal, then they'll make compromises along the way just to get it. Like I had a roommate uh, in college who her expectation and base and a lot of it was centered around like family values. She was traditional Southern kind of values. And she like was hopeful of like, you know, 
she was in a sorority, but, like, wanting to be, like, engaged by the time she graduates and, like, have all of this kind of stuff. And so she just had, like, an expectation. She wanted to get her MRS degree. (laughs) 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 That was funny. Um, But it it was kind of like, for a while, it, it seemed like it was like, all right, well, insert guy you know, <laughs> to get me that. It was more important to have that mm. fulfilled than to have the right person fulfilling yeah, yeah, yeah. it. But I think she she ended up realizing because she didn't find the right guy that mm-hmm. it was important, as important to mm-hmm. achieve the goal as it was to be happy when you do. Yeah. Yeah. And the other question that I had was, I feel like I initially misunderstood your situation with from the couple of initial descriptions he gave me my idea was that he was this older guy intellectually kind he was kind of an intellectual he was set in his ways so i felt like you were saying he knew what the feminism movement was about and he would like basically talk at you about the feminism movement on behalf of women and so when you were reading a book like lean in which brings some responsibility internally into the women he was not about that he was like no no no. the system is entirely to blame but then i started getting a different picture was like no he he wasn't educated in ah. in the things enough like he had a perception about he's like like i kind of said earlier it's like okay if you had read the book mm-hmm. and you have something negative to say about it and you have some evidence to support your argument about it or how you feel about it Fine, I'll listen to you. Yeah. But don't dismiss the book and the concepts that you haven't even looked yeah. into. That's how I felt more of it. He felt like he knew the whole story. He he got it. He understood so it. So what without was his position to... on this? On what was his eye roll about? What was his position on these issues? You know, I don't I don't know how specifically I can speak to that mm-hmm. because we didn't. The reactions that I got from him, like, at the time, I wasn't set enough in my own perspectives to give pushback. So, like, when things would come up like this, my body would go into retreat, freeze mm-hmm. mode. I'm I'm kind of like a freezer mm-hmm. sort of thing. I'm not flight. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. need to just, like, escape. But it's like, you know, I just don't say anything. You know, yeah. I won't push back because I'm not... I'm not as well thought as he is or well spoken as he is. And so mm-hmm. it was like... It was always this point for me until, like, toward the end when I finally got more comfortable, like, speaking my mind where it was just, like, I didn't give much pushback. So Mm. he would give, like, the eye roll, but there wasn't a follow-up discussion of, okay, well, say more because I didn't invite those because I was, like, Mm -hmm. kind of threatened in some way by that perspective and and my lack of ability at that time to feel like I could argue my own opinion. Especially yeah. when he, you know, like he was just so much, <laughs> he had that skill much more than I did at the time. Yeah. I guess the thing that got me confused was because you said that he is an intellectual and he was well thought and well spoken. So I assume that he is a feminist, but he just wants to. No, I wouldn't. He just wants to take charge and just define things for himself. So now I'm confused how he can be an intellectual but not be a feminist. Also, if you're going to say things, uh, I would have you come closer. (laughs) Just grab him all the front. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'd say it was kind of in that spirit of he took like 10 years uh, between his, no, more like seven years, like seven years between his undergrad and PhD where he went to Europe and like, mm. you know, he went on this self-discovery kind of thing. And so that was like, he's intellectual in the sense that he's very smart. He's a scientist. He's, you know, he, but he's one that is very based and like got it figured. I understand it. I've seen what there is to see. I've taken, taken in all the data that I need to make my, draw my conclusions. Mm. So he never continued to like challenge himself. Like he didn't challenge himself. It was, he was kind of, um, he, the way I saw it is he fell into the like reinforcement bias. Yeah. Like constantly like reinforcing what he believed with more things that align with what he believed and dismissing without, or just feeling, and it's kind of like, mm-hmm. I prefer to live in the gray area. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And I feel that it is a little bit of a waste to be in a relationship with a person like you without letting letting himself be challenged by, you know. So <laughs> yeah, I think that buries some like good qualities that are potentially good things that you can bring into a relationship. Like, you know, independent opinions and things like that. And yeah. Yeah, it was it was interesting to because, you know, he can match my level like and that's one thing just like the level of thought of just like thinking deeper, understanding like complexities and and workings of things. And so it worked really well, especially like I like was a co-author on one of his papers because I helped him code some stuff, code some figures. Plot some That's things. That's sexy. <laughs> Academic <laughs> slash personal collaboration. So, uh, yeah. So it's like we matched very well on that level. So when there was like the political levels removed, like the social aspects removed, like the intellectual compatibility was really there. But it was that aspect of the opinionated and personal bias where that challenge and that Cause he did respect my ideas. Like mm-hmm. he did respect my intellect mm. when it aligned oh. with his own. I see. I see. And in the sciences without the opinion that goes into that. And it's more the pure like scientific kind yeah, of yeah, analysis. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, you don't yeah. butt heads on those. Things. I think this is true. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't think I'm in a big position to like criticize this guy because right now what is happening is, the same thing is like I'm like very welcoming and opening and respectful for of your opinions because they're matching mine. <laughs> now, if, if you were sitting in here advocating more of a traditional role for a woman, I would not be. <laughs> <It's down resentful. laughs> yes. yeah. so. You wouldn't have invited me to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of true, you know, and I, it is true that I am very strongly married to my ideas about the world. And I will go to great extents to like defend them aggressively sometimes. <laughs> it just happens to be the case, maybe, that I'm actually not being challenged by you right now. My ideas are actually not being challenged in the way that. His ideas were being challenged by, so it's like, this is easy coasting for me, actually. So I mm-hmm. think I should stop before I start 
patting myself on the back a lot about, oh, wow, what a great feminist you are. Because I don't think, you know, this is like really challenging me. If you, if we start, if you got on some other topic where you and I like actually differed a lot and I was, my identity was really vested in a lot of those opinions, that's where the, that's where the real challenge would be. Yeah. Because a lot of this is just about ego, mm-hmm. you know? My ego is not really being threatened right now in this, in this conversation. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and it's, it's interesting too. It's like, I mean, even like the way that I see my, my convictions are not having any convictions sort of thing. It's Mm. like, I do have like a personal value system and that's more what drives me than like having convictions about or trying to at least like, I don't try and align with, align myself explicitly with anything that because like once you align yourself with something ultimately a you're being put in a group and that group doesn't exactly reflect your own beliefs so it's like i don't even really like i i don't know how many people i might have even maybe never called myself a feminist Mm -hmm. to somebody Mm -hmm. but i feel like i embody like i try to embody like the the spirit of feminine progress and I try and like push that forward. And so in some way it does make me a feminist, but you know, it's like, but I think, yeah, I think it's interesting just thinking about like, you know, where do your own convictions come into play and like, Mm -hmm. how does that constrain? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, it is true, the thing that you point out about him, like, I'm guilty of the same thing. Like, I feel like a lot of my principles and whatever, I am that when I'm like, oh, I know, I've thought about this long and hard and, I've, you know, explored and now I know what's right. And I feel like one of, I mean, I can't be sure, but I feel like one of the hardest things about being in a relationship with me can be how, like, stubborn I can be about some of my ideas and really like not being very flexible about it and really putting a lot of my identity behind this and just being very like you know how do you call it like hard-headed or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I feel like I've gotten that vibe from people in relationships with me yeah that's interesting well because that is kind of how i would like describe him but yeah Yeah. it's like his opinions didn't just didn't yeah didn't align with mine Mm -hmm. i guess maybe it works out if uh you know if you're both very strongly opinionated but your opinions overlap i think that matters in a relationship well and for him because i've thought about this first i'll come back to that thought actually but first i want to say i think like in our discussions, it's like, yeah, maybe our opinions align, but like, you're trying to understand a different perspective. Like you're asking the questions in such a way that I'm, I'm giving you my perspective and you're open to hearing it. And it's just so happening to fall in alignment with some of the things that you believe, but it's not like you were searching for it to be that way. It was kind of like, and in doing so, you're letting me inform your perspective yeah i think what makes it easier for me even though i might be like very kind of defensive and territorial about my ideas sometimes 
the thing that makes it easier for me to ask you about your opinions is you seem to be like kind of open and spacious and accommodating. So you're not responding to my questions, even the questions about climate change and oil with the kind of defensiveness of your own. If I had started to detect that you're trying to plant your flag, then I would start to like kind of mm -hmm. butt heads with you. But I noticed that I'm not doing that because you're coming from this more spacious place. And it's just, I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah I dig it. <laughs> I yeah. hear what you're saying. Like, I, it makes me like more open yeah. um, to like hearing you out. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I would say in that conversation, I mean, your, your inclinations at least or your feelings around like oil and gas or climate change are probably not in yeah. alignment with mine. Yeah. But you're hearing a different perspective about it. That's true. And my perspective doesn't come from an emotional reactionary response as the as most people's or a lot of people's tend yeah. to. Yeah. And that's like that's just what makes it so hard to have discussions with yeah. anybody who is like that because there there just is no really getting through. Yeah. But what's cool is that for me, I feel like when you come from that more like open, spacious perspective, that is much more effective at changing my mind than any other more forceful method would be. Oh, that's good. Yeah. This is going to be such an unwitting part of this <laughs> I know. galaxy-wide <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, how many average listeners do you get? Tens of people. <laughs> Currently, uh, there are 44 people who have clicked follow mm -hmm. on Spotify. But it's hard to measure these things because Spotify is just one of the outlets. Mm -hmm. And there are like other clients that you could be using to follow the podcast, whatever. But I don't think it's a large number of people. Yeah. You know? But one day, it's going to become very famous. One day, <laughs> one day people's eyes are going to open to see, wow, this guy didn't do any marketing. And he was just like he a solo. There was, the not, there was not a there. company behind this whose livelihood it was to pump this podcast and do like polished productions. This guy was also doing a PhD on the side. I was just doing kind of... But the content is amazing. <laughs> the people he talks to are amazing. And the things that they talk about are amazing. It's kind of rambly and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But isn't it amazing? We should give him, like, all the prizes right now. Nobel Prize, Fuels yeah. Medal. No, I think, it, I think yeah. it's coming. Yeah. So, so one day, everyone, everyone who has had anything to do with this podcast, even it's unwittingly, going are going to be so famous or infamous or... You know, whatever it is, I do have I do have visions. When I was a kid, I wanted to be famous, and then I grew out of it. I was like, that's not the best thing. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> depends on how you get there. There's some people who want to be famous, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, how they become famous. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today in the Room of Lives. Take care. Until next time. Mm -hmm.